He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. The number one show at 5 o'clock in, in the whole East Coast right now. And uh, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, former Governor David Patterson, and Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington. Maybe related to George. You never know. And uh, Lydia Saroni, my uh, uh, sidekick here. And uh, what happened to the red wave? I don't know. It turned into a trickle or it went calm or what happens? I have no idea. I mean, I think I do. Well, I, who I, do we have? We, we have, let's who ask, do I have with us right now? We have a great show for you today. But right now, we have one former, guy, a, a historian. Right, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. He's a professor of history and geography at the University of West Georgia in the 1970s. He's a politician, author, who served as the 50th Speaker of the House of Representatives. Welcome back to Cats at Night, former Speaker Newt Gingrich. What happened to the red wave, Newt? Listen, I'm I'm like everybody else. I was there, Calista and I were with Kevin McCarthy last night, and uh, it became more like a red trickle than a red wave. Um, but I'm doing a newsletter for tomorrow at Gingrich 360 and outlining the biggest single change, which is the shift from Nancy Pelosi to Kevin McCarthy. The fact is, when this is done, they get done counting. Uh, the Republicans will be a majority in the House. Uh, they'll have a majority bigger than Pelosi's and probably pretty close to what I had in 1994 with the contract with America. And that is an enormous transition of power. It's, it's not candidly what I thought it would be. And I'm, I, I want to really look at a lot of analysis and do some serious polling before I reach any conclusions. There were a lot of races that we came really close to winning. Uh, I'm looking right now at Katie Porter, a Democrat incumbent, who spent a huge amount of money. She's barely ahead, 50.28 to 49.72 for the Republican, only about half the votes in. But you see these kind of very close races all over the country, uh, including some that I, I went out and campaigned with uh, Kevin McCarthy the last three days and went to places like McCallum, Texas, right next to the – we were six miles from the Rio Grande, had three great Latinas. One of them lost. the other, One of them won, rather. The other two lost. But that's a beginning of a real growth in South Texas among Latinos that would have been impossible – why did the Mexican the, guy lose down there? What was his name? Fort Myra Flores. 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 Yeah, yeah, Myra Flores. She uh, had won a special election, uh, and it was it's a it's a tough district. I mean, remember we're we're now campaigning in twenty and thirty point Biden districts, uh, and and she was up against a, a really good candidate. Um, the other one who lost, who was there, was uh, Cassie Garcia, who's a terrific. Uh, person, terrific candidate, but she was up against a Democratic incumbent, uh, and and uh, she still got a good vote. I think both of them may well come back and run again in two more years, particularly if, if Biden and the Democrats learn nothing because they get told by the news media, you know, there wasn't a very big race and, you know, et cetera. Uh, the, the, I think things will just get worse. As you know, apparently President Biden talked to major corporations into not going into layoffs until um, after the election. The first big one was uh, Facebook, which announced it's laying off 11,000 people. Well, the Federal Reserve chairman has said uh, he, he's not going to back off on raising interest rates until unemployment gets to at least 6%. Uh, 
if that if, if if Biden continues with two more years of pain and radicalism, uh, I suspect this will be the precursor to a big Republican year. But I, I want to first go and look and see why did we not do better, given the inflation rate, the price of gasoline, the price of food, the kind of crime problems you had. Uh, I mean, it's amazing to me that New Yorkers, New York people in New York City, with with folks getting killed on the subway, getting killed on the street, uh, still voted almost 70 percent for Governor Hochul. So uh, I'm trying to understand exactly what was going on. Uh, No, Governor Hochul only beat uh, Zeldin by uh, five points, was it? But he was saying in the city. In In New York City, City, yes. You're absolutely right there. You're absolutely right. Which has turned into a a crime disaster, and I would have thought it had a bigger impact, but it didn't. So, I I, I mean, you've known me a long time, and you know, I really try to think about these things and learn about these things. And I'll tell you flatly, I would have guessed a different result given what's happening in the country. So I, I agree 100 percent. Is, is, is Nancy Pelosi going to come and sit down with you to let you? Because I understand she's going to be ambassador to the Vatican. And she no, needs no, no. Some... Well, as you know, Calista was ambassador to the Vatican. But actually, we think Nancy's going to become ambassador to Italy. They, they, have, they have named a former Democratic senator is ambassador to the Vatican. Gotcha. Uh, and, I, and I think from Nancy's standpoint, the ambassador to Italy has a really big house. Uh, and I think probably it would fit her sense of uh, having been the queen of the Congress to go and be the queen of Rome. Uh, I, I personally hope, and Costa joins me in saying prayers for Paul, and we hope that Paul's recovered enough that he can go. As you know, Rome is a fabulous city and a great assignment. And if she does go there, my prediction is, she will not be around to hand the gavel to Kevin McCarthy. That she will be gone long before he takes over. Well, she might she might hit him in the head or something, you know. I can't comment given what happened. I understand, to Paul. but but she did threaten somebody. Uh, well, go, occasionally. Uh, go, Governor Patterson, you had something to ask uh, the uh, Mr. Speaker. I was just going to uh, suggest that after the tremendous. Uh, election that you conducted in 1994, I thought President Clinton was gone. And after what your successors did six years later in 2010, I thought President Obama was gone. So even though it wasn't uh, what people were predicting, I don't think that the results of the election yesterday helped uh, President Biden at all. What do you think? Oh, I think you're right. And in fact, I told some friends this afternoon that the Democrats are going to think that they did okay. And so they're not going to change. They're, they're not, they will not have heard from the American people about all these issues. They'll continue to be left-wingers. I mean, how, how Fetterman could have won, given the crime rate in Philadelphia and his record of releasing murderers, is, is frankly beyond me. So I, I want to go and look at some of this stuff and get a better knowledge. But my hunch is the pain level is going to get worse, not better. The recession is going to be deeper than people think. I, I talked to a very senior uh, CEO who said that uh, the major supply houses for, for housing were all cutting way back on their orders uh, because they anticipated that there just wasn't going to be sales in the near future. All these things are going to compound. Uh, and, and frankly, I don't see, you know, Bill Clinton was young. He was vigorous. He's one of the best politicians I've ever seen. Uh, and he understood that if he didn't change, uh, that he would get beaten. And the, his liberal staff wanted him to fight me. And he said, if I do that, uh, we're not. I'm not going to get reelected. So I'm going to work with news. So you remember, he came in uh, at the State of the Union in, in uh, 90, uh, 
96 and and says the era of big government is over. Well, I'm sitting behind him as the host, as the speaker. I have to stand up and applaud. I mean, what are you going to do when a guy says that? And so Bill really, you know, he signed welfare reform. He signed the biggest capital gains tax cut in history. We ultimately negotiated four straight years of a balanced budget, and we're paying down the federal debt. He did all that. I'm, I'm not sure Biden has it in him to take those kind of decisive steps. Well, if, if Chairman Powell is saying he's going to keep, instead of solving the problem and opening up the spigots on oil, instead of solving the problem and fixing the problem, the alternative, Chairman Powell is going to keep raising interest rates? He's going to, yeah, be, he he's going to create he's a depression. He's not going to create a recession. He's going to create a depression. Well, he, he said he will raise interest rates until unemployment gets to at least 6%. But that is, you know, as you, as you that remember. Is dumber, that is dumber than dog crap. <laughs> well, you know, I, I worked with Reagan and Jack Kemp on supply-side economics. Our theory was exactly what you just said. You want to bring down the price of gasoline. On the demand side, what you do is you make it so painful people can't drive. On the supply side, you just pump a lot more gasoline out of the ground, and the price drops because of the supply. And I think that uh, these guys are addicted to punishing people, and they're they're addicted to causing pain. So I, I agree with, with in, Governor Pat's comment. In, in, instead of solving the problem, not help them. If instead of solving the problem, they're creating more pain for the American people, and the people that are feeling, feeling the pain is going to be the poor and the middle class. That's exactly right. When you raise the price of gasoline, you don't exactly hurt the billionaires. You're absolutely right. Uh, anything? we got another minute left, uh, uh, Newt Gingrich. Uh, you want to make any predictions on, on what's going to happen with Georgia? Uh, well, Herschel Walker has won every overtime he's ever played in. Uh, so I think he, he, thinks it's like he just thinks this is an overtime game. Uh, but but I, I want to say one, one thing, John. Uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart. We just saw democracy in action after all of uh, Joe Biden's vicious, nasty, negative speech, uh, blaming us and and insulting us and calling us bad names. The fact is, America worked. You may like the outcome. You may dislike the outcome. I have some that I love and some I didn't love. But the American people went to the polls. We had an election. Democracy is still here. Uh, and, and all of this talk about dividing us and, and beating up on people and calling them nasty names, I think the president ought to just drop all that. I think it, it is the, he's the most divisive president in American history. And in the long run, it's bad for America. Well, we I think most of us agree to that. And uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, and, and you and Bill Clinton brought the, the – the, uh, Deficit down from five and a half trillion down to five trillion, and you guys did a great job because two smart guys sitting down at the same table—they solve, they know how to solve problems. Well, it was a very exciting time, and they actually had projected that we were going to pay off the entire federal debt, and uh, then he left office, and I left office, and Washington went back to its bad old ways. Yes, they did. Yes, it did. Thank you, Newt Gingrich, and we'll catch up with you uh, real. Now, real soon, and uh, God look bless forward you. To it, always, uh, I always look forward to it. Thank Take you. care. Take care. And now we have one of our hosts on, Congressman Anthony Weiner, and he's got some revelations that almost the entire, mm-hmm. almost the entire increase in in GOP in Congress 
Now, you, you tell us, Anthony Weiner, Congressman Anthony Weiner. Well, I mean, it's pretty ironic. You know, it, it, people are focusing on how badly the Republicans did this year compared to historically. But look, they still are going to. They still. It looks very likely that they won the House. And the irony of it all is, they. It looks like they're going to take over the House because of New York. Uh, there were the changes in New York's districts that led to much more evenly balanced districts, which I think, although it's not good for my party this time is good for America to have districts that are drawn more evenly, not just overwhelmingly Democrat or Republican. And some of the changes here in New York, the, the Republicans did very well here congressionally because Zeldin did well at the top of the ticket. And it could very well be that when when the Republicans get the gavel, and I'm not so sure it's going to be McCarthy, it's because New York State was the reason. So, um, you know, there, there are reasons for, for Republicans to be to be pretty upset, and I think it comes down to the three D's: Dobbs, uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump, and and deniers. You know, I don't think the candidates were great, but one D that they've got to be very happy about, and Democrats should be worried about, is the third. The fourth D is DeSantis. I think he showed in Florida that Florida is no longer a purple state; now it's a deep, dark red one. Um, and so I, I think people are getting a little over their skis. Florida is the safety was, zone. Now, let me let me tell you. Zeldin lost by 300,000 votes, give or take. And 350,000 New Yorkers moved to Florida. Is that any correlation on the numbers? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you, you when, when the race gets as close, we now know that, I mean, my view, and I said this to you before the race, and I said this in the debate I did with Andrew Giuliani, I don't think that Zeldin was the best candidate, someone who, who had problems, you know, was a, a, an election denier and someone was anti-choice. But we know that crime was not a huge issue nationwide, but it definitely moved people in New York, just didn't move them enough. And nationally, I got to tell you, the reminder that we got to keep in mind is, is Newt, the difference with the Newt Gingrich Congress is that when you throw someone out of the job, you also have to convince them to hire you. And Newt Gingrich with a contract with America, which I thought was not something I would support, but it gave the American people a clear sign of what people wanted to do. I think the Republicans failed on that front. I don't know what you guys think, but I don't think there was a clear enough vision. Once you're done firing the Democrats, what the Republicans wanted to do. And now there wasn't you're saying it was not a clear vision. It didn't seem that way. The, the argument against the Republican incumbents was pretty strong. I admit that it was, it was a tough year to be an incumbent. But once voters got into the booth and tried to envision what would it be like, what are Republicans going to do? I'm not sure a hand to a Bible. I can come up with 10 things I know that the McCarthy Congress is going to try to do now, except maybe investigate Hunter Biden. And I don't think that animates a lot of voters. How about Anthony? It's Richard Warnberg. How about protecting the border? That's on top of the, his list. What do you think about uh, yeah, that? That's 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 a platitude. That's not a plan. I mean, people that, believe you a, should be tougher at the border. That's but, not a plan. Of course, it's a plan. You don't know have an open no, border. No, that's 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 a that, that's the problem, Richard. The entire campaign, Republicans were dealing in in bumper stickers. Closing the open border is a great rhetorical thing. Immigration policy is really hard and it requires a lot of compromise and a lot of thought. And to be honest with you, the Republicans have not and, Anthony, that to the table. Stay stay on the line. We have another uh, friend of ours uh, uh, in uh, the studio now. Move the microphone over. And he is mad as heck, and he can't take it anymore. He, he was a Republican, runs, uh, uh, he's in the media business, and um, uh, what else? Uh, he ran for the uh, Republican as a U.S. Senator, U.S. Senator. He tried to run as a U.S. Senator in Nevada. Tell us why we have, we have three, four minutes left, and we 
Tell us why you're mad as hell. I'm mad as hell because this was a this was a year when our party was teed up to should have. You, you, you say our party you mean the GOP? The GOP should have cleaned house. Should have cleaned house. So what went wrong in your opinion? We, one we word. heard King Rich. One word. We got Anthony Weiner on. Now you're on. One word. Trump. Trump touched. Trump was a catastrophe on almost every level. He endorsed 37 people in the primaries to make it to the general. Of his governors, there were nine. Four won, three lost, a couple are undecided. And by the ones, by the way, the ones that won that he claims, I'm not sure they won because of him to begin with. In the Senate, he touched North Carolina, Nevada, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Georgia, and Arizona. In Arizona, he had Blake Masters lost. In Georgia, throw me a touchdown. Maybe we'll make it in the. Maybe we'll make it in the runoff. I think that. Well, uh, New Cambridge is maybe they'll make it in overtime. Maybe overtime. Fine. <laughs> in Pennsylvania, we had David McCormick, who was a world class candidate. Trump wanted his guy lost. In Nevada. Thank God Adam Laxalt said, please don't come. Ron DeSantis went out and helped Adam Laxalt, and we still have a chance of actually pulling that one out. In North Carolina, okay, fine. In Utah, claiming Mike Lee, please. In, in Utah, nobody voted for Trump. So he's a disaster. And in the House, there's probably 16 more of these. We could spend an hour on it. In the end, in the end, Donald Trump is about Donald Trump. He chooses candidates which have failed, and he's going to come through on November 14th and run again and put his face in front of everybody on this Georgia election and harm us yet again. And he ought to go build a building or a golf course or do whatever he does and get the hell out of politics. Wow. Hey, How do you really hey, feel any about comments, it? Hey, any comments from the peanut gallery? Well, why don't you tell well, us what? how you really feel? <laughs> well, you, you, so John Chachas, you missed it, but Congressman Wiener, he's on the line with us, and he said there's three Ds for why Republicans lost. Dobbs, Donald, and deniers. And based on what you just said, it sounds like you agree, and I think most of us in this room actually agree. I don't actually think that Dobbs was actually as big a deal as people think, but you, it's, it's very hard to know. I, mean, I think it was. Sub- suburban white women yeah. moved decidedly in our favor, despite... Despite the Dobbs decisions, I mean, clearly wasn't something. No, that when you say Dobbs, you think everybody knows what you're talking about? The you're abortion talking about? decision. The, the abortion. The, the you Roe have to v. Say that. You know, how do you, how do you say it in the army? Keep it simple, stupid. Well, you know, there, look, there's no doubt that as a change in momentum, fine. But we had four weeks of not one positive article about a Democratic candidate on the national media in this country. We have 9% inflation, $7 gas in California. We have a president who's perceived to be weak and a bit unstable, frankly. We have a whole bunch of things that should have led to an you absolute... Think Fetterman and the president should negotiate with each other? Yeah, that'd be perfect, right? You know, Throw in Kamala Harris, John Chachas. <laughs> well, ask yourself, well, ask yourself the question. Fetterman, Fetterman actually, following that, following that performance, and boy, was he courageous to even do it, You'd have to say you thought Mehmet Oz was on a path to winning. What happened between the one and the other? Donald Trump went to Pennsylvania. He went to Pennsylvania to help him. He's not helped. And so the longer right. the people... Guys, we got to move on. But listen, Mr. Chachis, you're welcome to stay. We have Charlie Gasparino oh, on. Oh, I'd love to hear Charlie Gasparino. Uh, and uh, Anthony, thank you for calling in. And we'll t- maybe we'll talk thank to you later you again. Thank you. Thank you. And on the line with us is Charlie Gasparino, and the market is tanking. The bitcoins are almost down to zero. I, I, I shouldn't exaggerate like that. Not, not zero, John. John. Charlie, Charlie Gasparino, you tell us the truth because you're, you're a level-headed guy. Uh, well, I mean, some of it is the underwhelming performance of the GOP. Some of it. Um, I think a lot more of it is worried about the CPI number. I mean, J.P. Morgan said if we get a CPI print – that isn't below 8.4 percent. Um, you know we're in deep, deep trouble. You know over now, what did they say? They said significantly below eight. 
we're in deep trouble. And I think the market is kind of pricing that in, meaning much more Fed rating. It's not going to be below eight, in my opinion. Say that again? In my opinion, uh, it's not going to be below eight because uh, during the last 30 days, 60 days, they've been – those those oil prices have been moving. Yeah. Yeah, oil's above $90 a barrel, right? And the president has said – that there's uh, that he's not going to do anything about it, right? So you got that. You have Disney had horrible earnings, and you got kind of what a lot of people are suggesting is a Lehman moment in uh, in, in crypto with this uh, this deal between two crypto exchanges not not happening, and that could wipe out a lot of wealth. And that's why Bitcoin fell to sixteen and change. I don't know what it's trading at now. But, I, I don't know when I when I went downstairs to the studio, it was like fifteen nine 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 or something. That, that see that's that see if you have a Lehman moment in crypto where Bitcoin crashes to ten, I mean people think that oh it's a bunch of kids on crypto. It's a lot of people are in this. They lose a lot of money, and when they're losing money, they sell their stocks sometimes, you know, to make up the difference. Yeah. So Charlie, this is Rudy Washington. The next level of major support is ten thousand for Bitcoin. So that's yeah, scary. But I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're you're talking about major support. In my opinion, it's worth zero. Yeah, let's keep ourselves in check here. Let's I mean, have a, a reality check. It's an asset no, class that not a lot of people believe no, in. I'm, I'm, I'm referring to charting. Uh, Charlie knows what I'm talking about. I'm not about. a charter. No, I'm, no, I'm a realist. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. To say zero, let's be real clear here. There's a huge business that has been built around Bitcoin and blockchain. I don't think it's worth zero. Now, there's a lot of pain between 15000 and zero that it could it could settle at, and, you know, if it settles at 10, that ain't good. I mean, there are legitimate businesses that are built on blockchains right now. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They use as their currency Bitcoin and Ethereum and a few others. Um, if there's a recalibration of that value significantly low, lower, that's going to hurt a lot. I mean, it's, it's literally like the dot-com crash. Now, there will be survivors, obviously. You know, look at the price chart of Amazon. Go way back. Look how they they almost were a penny stock after the 2000 NASDAQ crash. So, I mean, these things do come back, but there's a lot of, I mean, creative destruction. It it's comes back when there's, when there's, when there's real value. Down. Now, the, the, the thing with big, there's two types of cryptocurrency. The cryptocurrency that's backed up by banks or, uh, or an institution or cryptocurrencies that are backed up by nobody except you see, I don't know if I, I agree with that, John, only because Bitcoin can be used on its blockchain, and its blockchain does real transactions. Ether can be used on its blockchain. They do real transactions. Now, but that's not... Oh, I just got, I just got a, uh, a text from my friend Neil Yohei, and he says Bitcoin yeah. closed 15756 Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there needs to be a recalibration of what this business and there is a business is worth, and it's not worth what it is today, obviously. Charlie, do we know who the individuals were that got wiped out with $15 billion? There are a few. Uh, Sam Blankman Freed, whatever he is, whatever his name was, he was worth like $20 billion a couple of weeks ago. Now he's worth under a billion, and that's a lot of money. Ooh, uh, you know wow. who else is getting wiped out pretty, pretty nasty is Elon Musk right now. I mean, look at the massive decline in Tesla shares. And it's well, not so that's all because that. he sold and got cash out. You know what that is, John? But also, it's, it, people are realizing that this company needs to be valued in an environment where the Fed isn't printing money, and he's just not cashing checks from uh, 
for, for electric vehicles from the government. That's you know, not just him. That's not just him. I mean, this. No, but he built that. He built his business on that. He did. He, he did. It. But in fair, in he fairness, in fairness, he built it the biggest fortune in the world on that. And now there's a recalibration of that. All these assets are being recalibrated right now to reflect the fact that the Fed is going to keep raising rates. And it's slow. It goes back and forth. And sometimes the Dow goes up 1,000 points in a week. And sometimes it doesn't. But the general trend is now in correction mode. And the correction mode is because, you know, a lot of things. We have a dem- we have a president that won't oil supply. We have inflation that the Fed is, says it's to get rid of. So the only thing that's left is a heavy sledgehammer of higher interest rates, which always cause a recession and lower corporate earnings. If, if then, Jay Powell keeps raising interest work. rates, he could force the country into a depression, not just a recession. Well, he could. He could. And that's not fun. Part but, of our uh, problem is that we don't have anybody of an age that remembers let, 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 how long, how long, how long Paul Volcker raised okay. rates. We've got two minutes left. Let yeah, Mr. Gasparino talk. Rates, but Paul Volcker's raised rates between 1979, when Jimmy Carter appointed him, and the first two years of the Reagan presidency. So he was sure that inflation was gone. Now, he had to keep going back. You know, he had to he pause and he went back, and he raised them dramatically. But, uh, but it was a different but thing. But Paul Volcker was, was different mad, because there was no other solutions. Debt. There is a yeah, solution. Yeah. And well, they don't want to do I it. I don't know. I, I, I think... Listen, I agree with you. That would help. Less regulations would help. Help, you know, pushing the supply side of the economy would help. But you know, we're going to get a correction anyway. I mean, here's the thing: you can't live on super low interest rates. I mean, printing money like we have without creating, you know, problems in the market, bubbles, and and when those bubbles correct, it's nasty. And some of the riskiest assets correct first: Bitcoin, Ether. Tesla, which is a risky asset. Twitter, which is Elon Musk didn't overspend for that thing by $40 billion and pay whatever it was. What was the share price? 5620 or something? 5420? Whatever it was something like in that. the 50s, it would be, it would be a $15, $20 stock at the most. At the most. Yeah, but uh, so you know, it, was the, it was the world's worst run company. Yeah, and he, and he just completed the world's worst leverage buyout. I'm you. I, I think he is capable of uh, of making that company make more money than it's ever made. And his car company is the best car being made in the country. Are you kidding? But it kills people. Best car uh, being made. But why, but why, why? What makes you think that all these things? Listen, I, I hope he does succeed, and I agree with him politically to, about free speech and all that. But just from a business model standpoint, why would you? Why would you? What's the business here? You know, get screamed at by trolls with fake names and, and you know, 15 numbers <laughs> after their, 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 their profile. I don't know. Charlie Gasper, we know you're one smart guy. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing it, sharing it with our uh, audience. And God bless you. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. You got it, John. Talk to you. We're going to take a hard break now. We're going to listen to find out Lou Dobbs' opinion of what happened in the markets. And then we're going to come back. With more opinions on politics with Melissa DeRosa. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. We are still talking about the election and the red wave that never came. Now on the line with us is Melissa DeRosa. She is the former secretary to Governor Cuomo. She's also a Democratic strategist based in New York City, also a columnist for the Daily Beast. And you 
have a lot of writings uh, that you've been publishing, and you've been pretty right on target, Melissa DeRosa. I just want to know what the heck happened yesterday. What happened, Melissa? Oh. In New York or nationally? I mean, I no, think let's a, go to New York. You're the expertise in, in, in Albany and New York. What the heck happened? So I think New York is a pretty interesting case because, um, to, to your point, the red wave that everyone predicted sort of didn't come to fruition anywhere but New York. So in New York... Uh, only in Nassau, York, Suffolk, really. Well, Nassau and Suffolk, and but the then congressional you saw seats the up across the state, and, and not even that yeah. much in not even that much in Suffolk County because uh, Zeldin won fifty-eight to forty-two in Hudson. He was not wiping out the opponent the way Hochul was in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. It wasn't enough to make well, up for the city. But you have to remember. So let's let's take a step back here. So in New York City, there was about thirty-six percent of registered voters turned out versus fifty-three percent of registered voters in the rest of the state. So in New York City, I actually like massively underperformed in terms of voter turnout. But 68 percent of Democrats are in New York City, 68 percent of registered voters in New York City are Democrats. So you start with a 70 percent voter registration advantage. And then you look at Republicans and there's only 10 percent of registered voters in New York City are Republicans. So you have to take all of these different factors into consideration. So the fact that Lee Zeldin, who is a Trump-supporting, election-denying, anti-choice, anti-gun control Republican, got 30 percent of the vote in New York City, where only 10 percent of registered voters are Republican, was a big deal for him. Where Lee Zeldin actually lost his footing was in upstate New York, which is something we had been talking about. I talked about it in my column. We talked about it on the show a little bit. He needed to get about 15 percent, plus 15 percent turnout on Long Island, which he actually did. He did plus 17 in Suffolk County and plus 11 in Nassau County, which is crazy when you compare it to the last 20 years of what Democrats have done in Suffolk and Nassau. But in upstate New York, he was able to hang on. He didn't get the percentage he needed. And when you actually look at the math, where he really lost it was Westchester County. In Westchester County, it was about plus 18 percent for Hopal. And Westchester County acts generally a lot like Nassau. They elect Republican county executives. They elect Democratic county executives. They are wave counties. But my feeling is that neither Hopal nor Zeldin paid that much attention to Westchester County. Neither of them had robust operations on the ground. And Westchester County went as it had in the last couple of cycles. And so when I look at the numbers, the real game here came down to Westchester, and that was where it was. So where where are we with the state Senate and the state assembly? Do they still have a super priority? Super majority. Majority. so that's that's still up in the air. They've got Mannion up in up in uh, central New York and they've got a New York City race where they're still counting votes. It looks like it's going to be it's going to be right on the cusp. It could end up being 39. It could end up being 40. So it's unclear and we won't know for a few weeks. Um, but they obviously had big gains on the Republican side in Long Island, but they were off, they were able to offset it with a couple of different seats in upstate New York. But I think the big story coming out of New York was the congressional where you had five seats that are going to go from Democrat to Republican. And obviously you've got national commentators speculating pretty early that the House could flip just based on what happened in New York. And so you see a lot of finger pointing already of whose fault. And and that's the first thing Anthony Weiner said to me. That the the house is flipping based on just New York State. And New York State, and New York State was the one state where the redistricting was thrown out as pure gerrymandering, and a special master 
recreated the districts to make them more competitive. When there's honesty. Well, who knows? The, the, the chief but judge, is, that is the, the chief fact. judge was so honest, they, they forced her, they forced, they they forced forced her, her out. Absolutely. Is well, that, well, give me, well, give me your gut feeling about that, my comment. No, so I, look, I don't think that you're wrong. I mean, in New York, as we all remember, and the people that are in that room know better than I do, Ed Koch was on a long crusade for years and years to get rid of gerrymandering, made everyone sign a pledge in order to get his support. This really came to a head in 2010, 2011. And then um, in 2013, 2014, the legislature and Governor Cuomo passed this anti-gerrymandering law, which then they put into the Constitution, which meant it had to be voted on by the people of the state of New York. And so the people of the state of New York voted resoundingly at 58 percent, saying we do not want gerrymandering allowed in New York. And they set up this process where it has to be an independent commission. And if it fails twice, then it goes to the legislature. So this year, the legislature went to go do the lines. The independent commission failed once, and then they gave it to the legislature. The legislature then drew their own lines. So they went outside the process that was outlined in the state constitution. And then the Republicans, and now we know that Ron Lauder was behind financially backing the suit, challenged this. And by the way, they had good government groups. The League of Conservation Voters did an amicus brief with them. So this wasn't just a part of the Melissa, Richard Weber, they were absolutely correct. Attacking yeah. on the law. They failed to do yep. what they had to do under that constitutional amendment. Yep. Yep. And now what you're seeing is a lot of far left Democrats around the country saying, if only New York had gerrymandered, the court was should have acted more politically. Well, was Janet e. Fiore too far to the right? Why didn't they do what they needed to do? They followed the Constitution, which, by the way, was set by the will of the people. And so I just think it's such a ridiculous scapegoat to say because the court didn't act politically and outside the bounds of the Constitution, they're somehow to blame. And then on the other hand, you look at where Hochul did really poorly, which is in Long Island. She lost 17 percent in Suffolk, 11 percent in Nassau. You lost two of the five congressional races there. That's not about maps. I mean, that's math. There was no way to make up those numbers when the top of the ticket does that poorly. So I just think it's, it's a lot of scapegoating and finger pointing. And at the end of the day, I think that people need to look in the mirror. We've got a minute left. What else do you want to tell all New Yorkers? Um, I think that out of this election, we learned that local po- politics is local and that regardless of what's happening at the national level, what's happening on the ground is most important. And I think that's what New Yorkers told their elected officials. And I think you're going to see a lot more engagement on crime and a lot more engagement on the economy. And if that's what comes out of this, it was all for the best. Melissa DeRosa, thank you so much for everything you've done for our our city, our state. And uh, thank you for speaking out for the truth. Thank you so much. Great to talk, guys. Bye. Thank you. And uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, uh, we have Senator Alphonse D'Amato. And I'm sure he has a few good things to say. Let's take that break. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. And now to the greatest senator New York has ever had, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Senator D'Amato, how are you, sir? Great to be with you. Terrific. So I'm sure you have a lot to say. What do you think went right or went wrong last night? Well, look, I think maybe the anticipation of this uh, huge wipeout that everyone thought was going to take place. And to be quite candid with you, I thought we would <clears throat> we were going to do better. Um, but we did take the House. And I have to tell you, here in New York, um, 
we picked up anywhere, and it's still being decided from five to seven seats we took away from Democrats in Long Island uh, for the first time in 20 plus years, 30 years. All four of the our congressional representatives are Republicans, and we have taken control. We will be taking control of the House at the very least. And um, if we win the runoff, there's going to be a big, big runoff in Georgia will control uh, uh, the uh, Senate as well. And that, that's a tough one. And I, and I just hope that Trump keeps the hell out of there <laughs> because he has not helped Republicans. And his statements about DeSantis are nothing more than his self-serving aggrandizement. Thank now, you. I voted for him. Thank and you. I think he did, it, he did a good job as president. But this business about you yelling and screaming they stole the election no you jackass you gave it away you gave it away and he cost them he cost senators richard weinberg cost the republicans both senate seats two years ago unnecessarily absolutely well they're giving i understand the democrats are giving him the jet fuel to go to georgia (laughs) 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 that's probably happening when i heard john you were going to loan him your plane no, no, that was, that was I, Governor Pataki. Uh, I did. I know. I, I did that to Rudy Giuliani. The part of part of our, the Governor DeMond. You did that to, for Rudy Giuliani when he came out and campaigned against Mario Cuomo, uh, for Mario Cuomo. And why did he do that? Because, and by the way, he did a good job as mayor. I, 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 uh, I put him forth as the U.S. Attorney. He wanted to be. He did a good job there. But let me tell you, his ego got in the way. He had to be the number one Republican. And that's why he came out for Mario Cuomo. And everybody forgot that. I did not. That is not somebody who's loyal to the, the things he talks about. Now, he did a good job. Won't take that away well, from Well, he him. went for the Italian that, instead of the Hungarian. It was a traitorous act. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And let him defend it. I like to, I like to know on what principle could he defend it. He can't. Oh, we're we're going to have him in the same room with a fence between the two of you, Senator. How does how does our party move beyond this this guy? I mean, you look at this landscape. Joe Biden yeah. looks like a tired president who has issues, and he's going to be yeah. back. He's going to be back in the seat. And Donald Trump has essentially said. And he's got 20-something percent of the base that will vote for him no matter if his hair's on fire. What do we as a party do to move forward and let some fresh blood and eyes into this, into this political apparatus? Well, we got a lot of time, okay? And I think that there are a number of people. Um, obviously, DeSantis comes up first, and that's why he starts making fun of him and, uh, you know, with his name, et cetera, et cetera. And that only just shows uh, what an egomaniac he is. And he can't control himself. Uh, If you don't kiss his ass, why, uh, you're no good. If you have a difference of opinion um, or if you want something that he wants, you're the enemy. And, And that's not what democracy is about. And that's not what politics should be about. And I think that people um, are going to want a change. We don't want to hear about the stolen election. Uh, we don't want to relive 
all of these accusations. Agreed, agreed. Governor Patterson, you have a comment. Senator, what do you think was the issue that has driven uh, people like yourself? Um, You know, I'm starting to hear this, and I haven't been hearing this until recently, feeling this way about the former president. In, in other words, what was the act or the... The final straw? The final straw. Well, look, an example is the way he, he talked about DeSantis when he had something to say. Hey, he did a good job in Florida, and the people rewarded him. That's what you say. You don't start making fun of a guy's name. You don't start... Yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That is wrong. Alphonse, Senator... We have another yep. Italian on the phone, but now from this great state of Pennsylvania, the former Attorney General of Pennsylvania, uh, Ernie Priot, to give us a report from Pennsylvania. So, Senator, stay on. Two Italians yep. on, on one line is not bad. Er, Ernie Priot, what the heck is going yeah, on in Pennsylvania? Well, uh, we, had a, we had a rough night here in Pennsylvania. There was no question about it that uh, abortion, which was uh, thought to be a, a low-level issue, turned out and on election day to be a, a prime issue. Uh, and, uh, and secondly, we had a, uh, a candidate in Oz who I liked. Uh, I thought he might win, uh, but uh, he was not able to overcome the terrible mm-hmm. primary they went through with uh, Dave McCormick, who labeled him a carpetbagger and and uh, raised his negative so much so that uh, when he started the, the campaign, in the, in the uh, after the primary, that his negatives were really high, and he never really was able to overcome that. And so, the, lastly, the debate, which was held October the twenty fourth, uh, in which Fetterman clearly was the loser. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that by that time, over five hundred thousand votes uh, were already cast. So the the debate, in a sense, came uh, came way too late. It's a shame, uh, but um, uh, uh, he was a he's a brilliant surgeon, and his campaign failed to articulate the, the, his work as a surgeon, uh, and they never had any real testimonials of people whose lives he saved. So they allowed the other side to paint the picture of him as a quack doctor, which he is not. How could well, you know? General, well, can I ask this question? How can anybody? Having, looking at Fetterman and his record and what he stands for, letting everybody out of jail, open drug markets, not caring about the border. How could anybody in their right minds vote for a guy like Fetterman, regardless of the well, stroke? They need their brains The, the answer, Professor, is this, is that, uh, that you have to have a candidate on the other side who presents a, a reasonable alternative. This is the same yeah, well, in which the Democrats are 544,000 to the plus. So they really... They really can have a candidate that's that's tainted and warped, um, uh, but the fact is, you have to have a candidate on your side that's almost perfect in a state where you're down five hundred and forty-four thousand votes, as you found out in New York State. Yeah, you know, General, you articulated all the reasons, one hundred percent accuracy, as to why he lost. He was not a good candidate. He did not bring up what he would do to make Pennsylvania a better state. What He did not take his opponent on for the failures, all right, of the administration. He did not take on the issues of crime. He did not take on 
of the failure of Pennsylvania and its leadership to fight for more oil and energy production and to take on, you know, here he is, right, uh, running for the United States Senate. I mean, he said they've been taking on the administration and their failure to act to protect jobs in Pennsylvania. None of that happened. Your, your it was comment, just a lot of childish your, gibberish, and, and, and that's why he lost. Your, your comment about, about having half a million votes in the till before you even see the, uh, the one debate that happens is an interesting comment because it's happening mm-hmm. now. The COVID event has changed voting in this country, an awful lot of states. You have now hundreds of thousands of votes that are in the mail before you get to the actual part where anybody knows who they're voting for. And it's going to be one of these things that in in the aftermath, the analysis is going to say it's a big deal state by state to have that many people voting by mail way in advance uh, of what the typical election because people is. don't care who the candidate is. They just care what party he's from. They're putting the party yeah. before the people. That's what's happening. That's one issue. And the the second issue is we don't really know how much integrity there is in mail-in ballots. The truth be told. My father, who died in 2019, got a ballot this year. How did he vote? His his son didn't vote. I had had some integrity. I tore it up. But all over this country, all over this country, we have all kinds of problems that are coming from that. And that's a fixture in in our system now going forward. Well, I, I find one of the things, and I'd like to know what the general thinks about it, uh, where you have states and cities, et cetera, that are now uh, uh, saying that you don't have to be a U.S. citizen to vote in their elections. Now, I, I just think that flies in the face of what this country is about. Uh, come to this country. Live here. If you want to vote. We got one minute to go. We need last uh, last calls. Well, what do you uh, think well, about said, that, General? <laughs> let me let me say something, that, uh, Senator. My, my fa- I'm a first generation Italian American. My father was born in Italy, so we immigrated here the right way. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, we're now allowing people to 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 vote in this country who have come in here uh, illegally, and that's wrong. That's wrong. But in this election, it was supposed to be a red wave. It turned out to be a red ripple, uh, and it was not a very good night for Republicans uh, all across the board. Unfortunately, they did not have good candidates. Trump was on the ballot, and Trump hurt it. The Senate is the future of the Republican Party. Well, thank you all for coming on and letting all New Yorkers, all Americans, the whole East Coast is on today, by the way, uh, and... Uh, Thank you all. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you all and God bless America. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.